Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. How you doing? I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. You may have heard of our first author, Vincent Davis, a decorated New York City undercover cop. His story about corruption at the highest levels made national headlines. And now he gives us the whole story in his book entitled The Cop and the Stalker. It's based on a true story and actual events. I was an undercover New York City police officer and... My ex-wife at the time, years ago when she was younger, had dated this bad guy named Richie Sable. When when Diane and I started dating, Sable was in jail for armed robbery in, in the state. And he had called her up and threatened her, if you marry this guy, I'm going to cut off your fingers and throw acid on your face. I'll make you so ugly. No one will want you. I'll kill your family. But Diane and I got married and I thought everything was fine. I became a police officer a year later. He had gotten out two years later, and I found out that he got arrested shortly after that by the FBI, uh, conspiracy, credit card fraud, and things like that. I had actually met the FBI agent that arrested him in court and had a long conversation because Sable had threatened to kill three FBI agents and a judge. So Agent Trusso told me, listen, you don't have to worry about this guy. He's going to be doing 12 years on this case. About eight years later, he got back out on the streets, and... He started coming around, and uh, I found out he was doing some criminal activity. And lo and behold, a year later, he got arrested doing a hand-to-hand sale of two kilos to, of cocaine to an undercover DEA agent down in Georgia. DEA agent notified me, listen, Vinny, you don't have to worry about it. He took a plea. He's doing 20 years to life. Two years later, driving down the street from my house, and I'm stopped at a traffic light, and I look out the corner of my eye, and I see him in a BMW. He throws a cigar in his mouth and he points his finger at me like a gun and he pulls the trigger and he takes off. So I chase him. He gets away. I call my job immediately and notify him that he's out. They put protection on my house and me. And then three days later, I walk into my captain's office and he asks for my gun and shield. And I'm like, why? Well, these guys are with the FBI and they say you've lost your mind because Richie Sable is behind bars in Georgia serving his 20 years. And I'm like, Captain. How many medals do I have? How long do you know me? By the way, I was the third highest decorated cop in New York City. The captain says, listen, he's in prison. Give me a shield. You got to go see the department shrink. So here I am convincing the department shrink that I know what I'm talking about. And this guy is really out. And lo and behold, my house burns down a couple of weeks later with me in it. And I found out through the streets that Sable was hanging out with a guy named Jerry Vittorio, who's with the Lucchese crime family. I got in touch with my brother-in-law, who's in with that crew, and I had to sit down with this guy, Jerry. And I said, listen, Jerry, this guy, Sable, you're dealing with, and I don't want to know what you're doing. He's supposed to be doing 20 to life. But whatever you're doing, I suggest you get away from him. He didn't take my word. He continued working with him. But it turned out Sable was working for the feds as a confidential informant. And guess who got arrested? And guess who got fired? And guess who got jammed up? Me. I spent 16 months in federal prison. 
uh, obstruction of justice and tampering with a federal witness I never met. When my conviction was overturned, it was a huge media main. Everyone, I was on Dateline for an hour with John Hockenberry. I was on 60 Minutes, Barbara Walters. I was on everything. I sold the rights to Hollywood, Paramount Pictures, Scott Rudin. I had written the book while I was in prison with a two-inch pencil because they're afraid I was going to kill myself. And I sent it out in chapters to my dad, who was a retired NYPD sergeant. And he typed it up and copyrighted it while I was in there. And then the judge decided he was going to try me on one count because I wouldn't take a plea. So I'm not taking a plea to anything. I didn't do anything wrong. The second trial, it was 11 to 1, not guilty. There was one black kid on there that turned around and said in court, I don't care, you're a cop, you're guilty. So they gave us a mistrial. And then the judge stood up and demanded that I be tried again. And the government, the AUSA, turns around and said, Your Honor, that's not the position the government is taking. We tried this the second time because you ordered it. So I had to go to trial third time. Third time's chop. Got acquitted. But the suck of it all, I never got my job and my pension back because when we filed, the judges ruled that I had one year to claim to get my job back. And I had blown the statute of limitations. And my lawyer's arguments was, you can't be a convicted felon and be a police officer. He had to be cleared of all charges before he could ask for his job back. And I lost my pension. I lost my life savings. I lost everything. Now, you want to hear the last kicker that is really going to push you over the edge? Yeah. My ex-wife was having an affair with the scumbag the entire time which made me look like a jealous maniac husband who wanted to get this guy out of my life for, you know, for stupid reasons rather than just leave my wife. <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like everything when Hollywood's on hold right now. And so I just sit back and I see what happens because like I said, this has been 20 years. I keep getting the, uh, the option checks, which aren't small either to make the movie. So if they don't make it, I get another movie and I get another option. All right, Vincent, thank you. If you're a fan of P.T. Barnum, you're going to love this next author. From Ansonia, Connecticut, working in tech support until Corona came along. When business slowed, he got busy promoting his book entitled Move Over, Shakespeare, Tales from the Baron. Hi, uh, my name is Billy J. Barnum. Um, the reason I use my middle initial J is because in my family, there's many Billy Barnum. I'm a direct descendant of Phineas Taylor Barnum, P.D. Barnum, who's the greatest showman on earth. I was actually born in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which was P.D. Barnum's hometown at the time of his death in 1891. Most of the poems in the book I wrote years and years ago. And when I was younger, I used to read them to people and I used to recite them sometimes at parties and gatherings. And people used to be astounded, and I couldn't grasp the concept why, because I thought, you know, they're just a regular poem. What's the big deal? But their jaws were dropped open, and they couldn't believe that I wrote it. They used to say to me that there's no way that I wrote them poems. That sounded like something Shakespeare would have written. And because of that, I kept them on hand for years and years, and they always said, you got to do something with that. So I finally did. Published the book. A lot of people that used to hear me recite the poems all bought a copy of the book, and they spread the word to their friends. Um, what I was doing to actually promote the book originally, I advertised online. I did a few book signings at some Barnes & Nobles when we were able to actually get in the store and do book signings in the store. Now that we have the coronavirus, unfortunately, we can't do the in-store book signings. I sold out pretty much every store that I did the book signing in. I did it at some local libraries in the area where people can walk in and meet me. 
I did radio interviews as well as I'm doing this one. Do any of your poems have anything to do with being a Barnum? There is a poem in the book. It's called Painted Face. It's kind of a sad poem. It's about a clown that can't show your feelings, so you have to wear a painted face. Um, but that's the beauty of the book for me. So every poem is something different. There's sad ones, happy ones, so far-fetched that in your mind maybe travel to another world while you're reading it. So basically there's a lot of imaginative and wild poems in there as well. There's even some funny ones. It's move over Shakespeare, Tales from the Baron? Correct. Why are you the Baron? When I was younger, I started out writing songs, playing the guitar, playing rock music. And uh, my nickname was The Baron. So my friends used to call me The Baron for short. And every time I see him, they say, hey, what's up, Baron? Do you have any you'd like to share? Uh, there is. And this one is called The Dream of the Lion. I went to my life, had the dream of the lion. When I woke up last night, all I seen, you were crying. The blood of a soldier, the dreams of a fool, and the mightiest gods making up their own rules. The knights of the justice have beckoned and gone the desire of angels from morning to dawn, and the sigh of a prisoner where people are dying, all are part of the dream of the lion. With spirits bewildered and nowhere to go, and the scream of a pirate as he loses his soul, where lightning is striking and people are scared, there's a war in the graveyard just like no one cared. If the love of an angel can't stop all this crying, then this is a part of the dream of the lion. The shed of a tear and the freedom behold will famish in hunger of both young and old. For the valiant get stronger and the sick getting weak and the slyness of war dogs killing off the whole fleet. And the preachers are praying for the mightiest hope that tomorrow will come without all this mope. The miracle of saints could have saved them from dying. They said it was all just a dream of the lion. Oh my God, that's beautiful, Billy. I appreciate it. The great thing is, for me, I consider this book like my life's work. So basically, if you're going to put all your energy into something, and it seems like forever before they finally say your book is coming out, and now your book finally comes out, you better put everything into getting the word out there as well. Because if you you got to have it. I mean, you put everything in so far to make it be a success. you got to carry on that. Put as much effort into promoting the book as they did writing it, because if it means that much to them, and they really feel it's that good, which I feel my book is extraordinary, then they're going to actually put everything they can into getting the word out there and making sure it's in, in success. All right, Billy, way to give it all you got. Two trips of a lifetime shape the life of our next author, who shares his journey into West Africa and adulthood in his book entitled On the Scent of a Continent, Memories of Africa. Well, my name is Martin Benninger, and I'm a retired senior business executive living in Montreal. And I didn't write books for my whole life until 10 years ago when my father, who was 101 and a half at the time, convinced my brother that we should write a book about the first 10 years of my parents' marriage. So we wrote a book called In the Eye of the Wind, Memories of Pre-War Japan. And uh, it did very well. And so it kind of got me in the way to thinking about writing and uh, I had had these amazing experiences when I was a young man. When I was in my early 20s, I made two lengthy business trips to uh, the continent of Africa. And my memories of that were so vivid that I thought, you know, well, hey, maybe here's another idea for a book. So 
it's a story of, of traveling in Africa 50 years ago. I was a recent college graduate from the United States trying to sell perfume compounds to soap and detergent manufacturers and uh, cosmetics companies, and it was such an unexpected change in my life. It's about my travels throughout Africa in two 10-week trips. It's more of a, a series of different stories rather than one long, continuous story. Do you have a favorite one you can share with us? Yeah, maybe the one that was very happy was one of my clients, Yombo Akoni in Nigeria. He had become quite a good personal friend. And uh, when I traveled to Nigeria for the first time, he thought he'd honor me by having a party at his house with all his friends. And it was an amazing experience to get into the midst of Nigerian society. But uh, one of the most amazing things about the evening was that there was this extremely fat, I mean morbidly obese woman sitting at the edge of the dance floor, and she kept eyeing me up and winking at me. I asked Yombo's brother, I said, what is what is with this lady on the edge of the, the dance floor? And he said, uh, oh, that's our Aunt Bessie. He said, you know, she's the fattest non-married woman in the family, and uh, it's our tradition that when guests come, that these people are are gifts to our guests. So obviously I was just destined to have a an adventure with this woman, and I was absolutely desperate because I was 24 at the time and recently married, so I didn't think this was such a hot idea. So what I ended up doing was buying a couple more cases of beer and a couple of bottles of whiskey and got everybody so drunk that I was able to escape without any loss of faith. <laughs> That's a good it was one. Uh, it was a lot of fun, but Africans are such wonderful people. You know, they're 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 very fun loving people, and they they love to laugh. So anyway, I think this book is one that would appeal to a lot of people because it's it's entertaining. It informs you about a continent that most people don't know very much about. Uh, it has the historical value of being you know 50 years old, which is basically telling about an Africa that no longer exists and that, that has great charm. And it's a, I think it's a nice resume of how a young American college graduate really became a, a self-confident man owing to these, these travels that I made in uh, 1969 and 1970. But I, I have the feeling this is probably a good time for books because, you know, people are staying in, they don't have a lot to do, and I think Books are probably going to be a very popular cure for boredom in this uh, this funny time we're living in. So uh, hopefully that will give the book a bit of a head start. <laughs> Let's try something completely different. Read a book. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. If you love nature and really have a sincere appreciation for it, you will appreciate our next book entitled Penn's Woods, A Romantic View. My name is Bernard Charles Barnick, and I was born and grew up in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. The book is about Pennsylvania, especially the area where I grew up in, and I've been retired for five years. I worked in a bank for about 20 years, and all the time I, I worked, I was observing nature in the Wilkes-Barre area. The book is about experiencing nature. I think people just ignore nature, and by doing so, they miss out on so much that is good and beautiful about this world. And I wanted to write something about the beauty of the world. And that's why I call it a romantic view. It's not a book about environmentalism. It's not about ecology. It's not about how people affect the environment. 
it's about how nature affects people and how it affected me. And uh, I give uh, many examples of my experiences with nature throughout the book. Give me an example. I uh, observe the birds in the area, and uh, they they add a lot to my life because birds, are, to me, are fascinating. They're beautiful. They represent freedom. They represent uh, joy in life. The songs are, are filled with joy, and uh, that makes my life richer. It, my book, I think, is about feeling richer uh, because of nature. Are you known in Wilkesboro as a guy who loves nature? Uh, no, this is my first book. Uh, the, all the bookstores are closed here, and the, the college uh, campus bookstores are all shut down. And the library where where I, I go to use the computer, that I don't have my own. But now the library is closed, so I can't do that. So I'm not, I'm kind of stuck right now. You don't have any kids with a computer? You don't know anybody with a computer? I have a f- couple friends that do, that have them, but I don't have my own. Because really, I think that would be very uplifting is to see something every day from you talking about something you observed in nature that can be found in your book that inspired you. Do you have pictures and everything in the book? Uh, yes, uh, there's, there's about 30 color pictures that I took myself and of uh, natural state parks that I visited. Uh, there's about 30 photos in the book. It's the Wyoming Valley. It's one of the most beautiful places in all of, of, of the, the new uh, North America when it was uh, first settled. You know, you should go to your Chamber of Commerce. That's where your book should be. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because then people, you know, when they're stopping and they're looking for things to do or they're looking for things to explore, they'd find your book and they could they could see some of the places that, that you wrote about. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, Bernard, listen, carry on, my friend. Thanks for talking to me. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a great day. And it's break time on the Page Publishing Book Club, but we're coming right back. Stay with us. Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-204-6099 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-204-6099 for your free author submission kit. And we're back on the Page Publishing Book Club. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. A nurse at Boca Raton Regional Hospital is fed up, and he tells us why in his book, Nurses Are Nuts. Hello, my name is Anthony Langley. I actually work in the um, operating room of a hospital. And uh, in this facility, nurses do tons of work that they shouldn't have to do. Uh, What inspired me to write this book was there was a particular time when antibiotics were not ordered for a particular patient. And a nurse asked me, where were the antibiotics at? I said, well, the doctor did not order the antibiotics. It's not my job to pull out an antibiotic and the doctor didn't order it. So she got really upset and really indignant. And that right there really gave me the impetus to look at some of the things that nurses do for other professionals in the hospitalization. It goes to the radiology department, the pharmacist, the physical therapist. We end up doing tons and tons of things. 
we shouldn't do. Even though we're expected to do it by lots of people and stuff like that. So you know what, I, I have to try to get this out here just to let people know. And also to hopefully enlighten my fellow nurses that they are constantly doing things that they shouldn't do. Uh, as far as physical therapy is concerned, the physical therapists are the people who actually help patients with um, crutch training, um, showing them how to use wheelchairs, and that is specifically their job. But a lot of times you will find nurses doing that for this particular department because a lot of times they can't get there in time and the job has to be done. And it ends up falling on nurses. Don't you have a union, Anthony? Uh, well, no, they don't want that. So what are nurses supposed to do? Say no? Well, you can say no, but the system is set up for us to do it. I mean, if the job doesn't get done, it will fall back on the nurses to why it didn't get done. As far as the suggestions and stuff like that are concerned, I pretty much tell nurses that if it's not your job, that they shouldn't do it. But like I said, I mean, the, the system is set up that it has been like this for so long that um, if the job does not get done, it ends up falling back on the nurse as to, why it didn't get, as to why it didn't happen. Yeah, and then you could lose your job. Right, if you don't do it. Exactly, exactly. So what do you hope to accomplish with this book? Well, I hope to accomplish one simple thing, is that nurses need to come together and let the higher-ups know that they are doing so many things for other professions and disciplines and stuff like that in the hospital that they shouldn't be doing, and that someone should look into it. And my whole thought process, okay, when I wrote this book, was to bring it to the attention of um, other nurses and that all of the things that we complain about all the time go through different channels and try to educate the people who run these particular hospitals and stuff like that just to let them know that nurses are doing so many things that they shouldn't be doing. I'm, I, you know, I'm on Facebook. I actually talk to, to, to people, okay, different nurses and stuff like that in the hospital. And um, there are a few people who have posted the book online. So um, that's pretty much where I am right now. All right, Anthony, good enough. It's frustrating when you find yourself in a situation you can't control. But our next author thinks he has the answer in his book entitled, A Part of Me I Need to Know. My name is Victor Addo. Um, I live in Delaware, and I'm the author of a part of me I need to know. Actually, I feel like um, living life in your early to mid-20s and a lot of um, ups and downs, going through depression and disappointments and how to bounce back from adversity inspired me to write this book so that I can teach the younger generation how to deal with disappointments whenever they face it. Step-by-step self-help that will teach you how to deal with life, how to handle life from one stage to another. Like, at a job, if you are at a job, you should always expect that that job, if you are not the owner of that company, at any time you will not be needed. And we all get to that point in our lives. You know, certain times people are being used and people are being left. And there are solutions in that book that you can find on how to deal with situations like that. Solutions like praying and believing in yourself and knowing that it is not the end of the world expecting that things are going to get better for you and continue to execute your plans and continue to work hard and do what you believe. Is that what happened to you? Yes. I used to live in Maryland and had an old schoolmate that um, asked me to come down to Delaware to help him with his restaurant that he had just bought so that um, we can take it to the next level. 
at first I didn't want to do it. And then he got his mother involved and she called me and asked me to move out of Maryland and move to Delaware. So I finally agreed to it and I came down and I helped them out and built the restaurant to where they wanted it. And then later they said, I'm no longer needed. So I had to leave. I decided to stay in Delaware, you know, to turn my life around and just move on and find something else to do. All right. What would you say is the most important part of you that you need to know? Patience and understanding. You know, to understand that things, nothing lasts forever. Things will always change. People will always change. And I accept the fact that when people switch up on you, there is no need for you to try to repent that person. Just accept them as they are and move on with your life. All right, Victor, good enough. Are you able to talk about it? Yeah, right now I'm using Facebook Market, and I have a personal website, which is www.victoradu.com, telling people by word of mouth and through phone calls and telling friends to pass the words around. All right, Victor, thank you. Proof our kids are a timeless inspiration. A dad writes The Little Pink Fox, teaching patience, love, and faith for his little girl, who's now a grown woman. Hello, my name is Timothy Thompson, and I'm the author of The Little Pink Fox. I live in Holly, Florida. I paint cars for a living. I'm an automotive refinish technician. I wrote the book for my daughter, and a funny thing, I started writing this book. I had the story in my head, and I just had to put it on paper. And when I was finished, she found it, and she read it, and she was like, wow, Dad, this is a really great story. And everybody that read it encouraged me to get it published, so I did. (laughs) What's the book about? It's about a family of uh, foxes that are going through a troubling time, and they are seeking uh, help through prayer and through going to the pediatrician to resolve a very trying matter. A character, a little, uh, little pink in the in the book, is a uh, is a baby, and she has got a uh, a problem where she's she's up crying all the time. Mom and dad are having to deal with their lives as well as up all the, all the time with the baby crying. You know trying to figure out what is going on, what, what do we have to do, what's going on here. They've been praying, and, uh, of course, they, uh, they have a strong faith. And then uh, they, go, they finally go to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician recommends changing the, uh, the diet in uh, the mother. And uh, she changes her diet, and, uh, and it, it helped. So the little pink fox is still taking her mother's milk? Correct. Yes. So, you know, if if you're going through trying times and all, you know, don't give up. You know, life is full of hard knocks and bumps. You know, it's uh, it's tough. No matter who you are, you've got to, you know, deal with the, the hard part of life, suffering and all that. It's part of everybody's life. So, you know, just encouraging, just an encouraging story just, you know, to not give up and uh, and just press on through, you know, and uh i have been writing since but i I didn't write before not really and i started writing and now i'm i'm writing more and more and i remember in high school my english teacher was you know teaching me how to write a book or how to get one published and i told her i said look i'm never gonna write a book and just that was uh something i remember i said to my english teacher and she made me learn all this stuff anyway so it actually helped to pay attention in english English class (laughs) and uh i did i wrote a book and i got it published and uh I've got it on Facebook, got over 100 likes on it right now. 
and uh, starting to pick up some momentum a little bit. It's exciting. I'm really excited. And then uh, I've actually got volume two to this book written, and I just I haven't published it yet. All right. Well, it's a great start, Timothy. Thank you so much. And uh, that's a wrap for this edition of the Page Publishing Book Club. If you missed anything, just go to 710WOR.com and download the podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. I'll catch you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.